What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to play a little bit of Trust or Bust 2022 Fantasy Football Playoff Edition. Basically, what I'm going to be doing in this video is I farmed this out to the Discord. I said, who are you guys concerned for going into the Fantasy Playoffs, whether or not you should trust them or whether or not they might lead you to be exiting your fantasy playoffs early? Are they guys that we can trust in our lineups, or are they just a mirage? Today, I'm going to cover eight players that you guys have indicated you have trouble trusting going into the fantasy playoffs. So if you guys enjoy at any point, leave a like down below, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel if you are new. If you want to be part of future video ideas like this, I farm things out to the Discord all the time, and you can get access to it by joining our patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange link down below in the description. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Right, so the first guy that was mentioned, and I would say this was probably the overwhelming majority of people asking this question uh, in terms of trepidation towards trusting this guy. DeAndre Swift had a great week, finally regained some control of his backfield, but can we trust him heading into the fantasy playoffs? Is this something that is going to continue or is this something that was just a mirage? Last week, we saw DeAndre Swift in week 12 regain his previous third down role against the Buffalo Bills. That was one of the big developments that I was talking about throughout the week. He saw the long down and distance work and the two minute drill work that we were accustomed to seeing from DeAndre Swift in years past this earlier this year when he was healthy. But this week we finally saw him edge out Jamal Williams on early downs as well. He led Jamal Williams in target share in snaps in touches in carries in routes. And then again, long down and distance two minute drill third down type of work. Pretty much everything under the sun went to DeAndre Swift, except for some short down and distance stuff. He got the goal line carry uh, Jamal Williams as well. But DeAndre Swift made some serious, serious headway in this Lions backfield. I talked about Swift a few weeks ago as a league-winning trade target because his schedule opened up so easily. He has the Vikings this week, for those of you guys that are trying to make a playoff push. He has the Jets in Week 15, who have been less scary against the run recently especially, but overall, they're just more of a run-funnel type of defense. Carolina and Chicago, two absolutely easy matchups, Week 16 and Week 17. I am absolutely trusting DeAndre Swift as a top 15 running back rest of the season. I know it's been a little bit shaky in recent weeks, but he is finally starting to regain that role. And we also have to keep in mind, too, that this game was a negative game script for somebody of DeAndre Swift's um, workload and acumen. The type of guy that DeAndre Swift is, we would have expected him to be heavily involved in a game script where Detroit was trailing, but they were winning pretty much the entire game. They, in fact, pretty much were blowing the Jaguars out. So if anything, we should have assumed that Jamal Williams would get the early down work, would get the salt the game away type of carries, and that was not the case. DeAndre Swift was edging him out on early downs. He was edging him out for all of the important work in the backfield. So definitely, I am trusting DeAndre Swift heading into the fantasy playoffs. Like I said, I think he can be a big-time league winner for those of you guys out there. One guy that I am not trusting right now is Devin Singletary, and another name that came up quite a bit this week in the Discord. This one's pretty easy for me. The reason I'm not trusting Devin Singletary is because at one point in time, he was considered a mid-RB2 on a great offense with a good workload. This week, we saw a shift in his usage, and the reason that I'm scared by one week a one-week sample size like this because previously he had four straight games of 70-plus percent of the Bills' offensive snaps. But then in Week 13 against New England on Thursday night, he saw just 44% of the snaps. He was out-carried, he was out-targeted, and he ran less routes than James Cook. And the reason I'm scared about this is because James Cook is a rookie running back. We know that rookies tend to scale production as the season goes along. And on top of all that, Naeem Hines actually played a season-high 23 snaps as well. So 
It's kind of more so a three-way timeshare with Naeem Hines working himself into the slot and some of these other ways. But James Cook is the primary concern because James Cook has a higher PFF rushing, receiving, and pass blocking grade than Devin Singletary this year. So we know if rookies are playing well towards the back half of the season, typically coaches reward them. They start to trust them more often. And I think we're going to see an even split between James Cook and between Devin Singletary and probably a bit of Naeem Hines as well. And that makes Devin Singletary more of a borderline flex play rather than the mid RB2 that he had been most of the season, a guy that you could probably throw into your lineup each and every week as a you know touchdown or bust type of option. But we know because he played for Buffalo, typically he would have opportunities to get into the end zone. So for me, I'm probably going to not trust Devin Singletary heading into the fantasy playoffs. If I have a super deep roster, if I have a lot of options that I can throw into my flexes, I would probably start you know, 25, 30, 35 wide receivers on a given week over a guy like Devin Singletary going forward. The next guy that we're going to talk about is Isaiah Pacheco. And a lot of you guys indicated that you were nervous about Isaiah Pacheco. Can we trust him in the fantasy playoffs? I would say you can trust him, but only for what he is. Don't think that, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, because he's a rookie running back, is going to suddenly be some league winner because he plays for Kansas City. He's been the starter long enough that we kind of know what his role is. We kind of know how they're going to divvy up touches in this backfield. He's going to split snaps pretty much evenly with Jarek McKinnon. He's going to split touches pretty much evenly with Jarek McKinnon. He's going to be the primary ball carrier. He's going to have the autonomy on the goal line and get the you know most carries. He's had 14 plus carries in four straight games now, but Jarek McKinnon will take most of the routes. He will take most of the targets. And that kind of limits Isaiah Pacheco into a you know touchdown or bust type of RB2. But because he plays for Kansas City, that's someone that you can trust because we know Kansas City is going to generate scoring opportunities. They're going to generate red zone touches, goal line touches for a guy like Pacheco. And he has some very easy matchups heading into the fantasy playoffs. In week 15, he has the Houston Texans, who are one of the easiest run funnel defenses in the league. The Seattle Seahawks, who are exploitable on the ground as well. And then Denver, who is a very good defense, but we expect Kansas City to win that game handedly. So uh, game script wise, they're probably going to be in good shape. And that's weeks 15 to 17. So Isaiah Pacheco is a guy that I'm willing to trust, but don't get crazy and throw him into your lineup over much better options. He's a guy that you can trust as a you know top 25 to 30 running back every single week. Hope he gets into the end zone, and that's exactly what happened this week. So uh, overall, I'm willing to trust Isaiah Pacheco, but more so as a flex play rather than a solid RB2 or something like that in your lineup. Another guy that got into the end zone a couple times this week is Cam Akers. And out of the absolute woodworks was a top 10 week from Cam Akers. This was a guy that has probably been one of the biggest busts in fantasy. Definitely, without a doubt, my biggest miss of the fantasy season because I was very high on Cam Akers. This week, he actually saw some great usage. If he had saw this usage in week one, I would have been doing victory laps all year. 72% of the snaps, high route participation at over 50%, and he found the end zone twice. This was exactly what I expected Cam Akers to be all season. Definitely did not work out that way. As much as I love to save my Cam Akers Best Ball Mania 3 shares and say that I you know, eventually was right on Cam Akers, I personally don't buy it. I don't think this is going to continue. Medically speaking, he should be about back to 100% nearing from the Achilles tear based on the data that I've seen from fantasy doctors on Twitter. They said, you know, November, December is when he's going to actually start to be 100%. But Kyron Williams is still involved in this offense. He was a 70% snap share guy just one week ago. To me, this kind of seems like a hot hand type of approach in uh, Los Angeles. And by the way, this is probably one of the most unwatchable, inefficient offenses in the league without Cooper Cup, without Allen Robinson, without their starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford, most of their offensive line. It's just a bad situation overall. Could Cam Akers be an RB3 flex play going forward? I think it's possible, but do not fool yourself into thinking he's going to be anything much better than that. A guy that you can maybe rely on as low-end flex type of appeal, but not a guy that I'm willing to trust necessarily heading into the fantasy playoffs. Another 
um, group of players that you guys indicated you were a little bit nervous about, and understandably so, was the 49ers passing game. Specifically, Debo Samuel's name came up quite a bit. George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk would also apply, as would Christian McCaffrey. And obviously, this stems from Jimmy Garoppolo being out for the season. He broke his foot on Sunday against the Dolphins on, I believe it was their first drive. He got his foot stepped on, and he's going to be out for the year. And Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant in the 2022 NFL Draft, Iowa State quarterback, who was at one time or another thought to be a potentially good quarterback prospect, but kind of fell flat uh, to expectations. He is going to be the presumed starter rest of the season. And Baker Mayfield was actually released by the Carolina Panthers this morning. A lot of people were like, oh my God, San Francisco is going to sign Baker Mayfield and turn him into a great quarterback. I don't really buy it. I think Brock Purdy is probably what I'm going to go with, assuming uh, what we know about the San Francisco 49er system, which is that it's a very difficult system to pick up. I don't think they want to pick up a guy who the Panthers of all teams cast off and immediately insert him as a starting quarterback. So, um, a lot of you guys, including myself as a Debo Samuel manager, I'm definitely concerned for the situation because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, for all of his faults, was playing well, and he's definitely an above-average quarterback in the NFL. And Kittle and Ayuk and Debo are going to suffer if they have a seventh-round rookie quarterback who can't get out of his own way for the rest of the season. But the bright side of the situation, I'm trying to paint it in a brighter light because I do think, given the talent that San Francisco has, the coaching that they have, the protection, all that kind of stuff, I'm expecting this situation to work out more so in Purdy's favor than uh, his downfall, because although he wasn't really that great of a college quarterback, he was kind of game manager-y. The nice thing about Brock Purdy is that he's accurate, right? He had a top 10 adjusted completion percentage his final year at Iowa State at 78.7%. And in this offense, all he really has to do is distribute the ball to the Yak Bros, the playmakers, the guys that can make him look good. Is it good news for the 49ers? Of course not. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo would be much better as the starting quarterback down the stretch, but they do get the Seahawks. They do get the commanders. They do get the Raiders during the fantasy football playoffs and the playmakers can carry him in good matchups as we saw yesterday versus the Miami Dolphins, who are also a pretty good matchup for wide receivers. So I'm trusting Debo Samuel. I'm trusting Brandon Ayuk as wide receiver two, three types. I'm trusting George Kittle as a top six tight end. I still trust Christian McCaffrey as a stud running back. And if anything, I think Brock Purdy might even be more likely to feed Christian McCaffrey as a receiver. So uh, overall, I'm it's stocked down on this situation in general, but I'm not panicked. I'm still trusting these players as, you know, 90% of what they per were previously with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's kind of my take on the 49ers situation. We can move on to Drake London, who is a guy that I'm a little bit more nervous for. Drake London had a big game this week. He had 12 targets, nearly 100 yards. And some of you guys are wondering if you can trust him in the fantasy playoffs because we know how good of a prospect Drake London was, which is why he was a top 10 NFL draft pick. But he has his bye week this week in week 14. And sans a QB change where Desmond Ritter is the starting quarterback, I just think Marcus Mariota is a complete and utter liability. And I think we're talking about an advanced metrics type of season with Drake London. And what I mean by that is, you know, us dynasty bros like myself, we see the good things with Drake London. We see the 27% target share, which is very encouraging for a first round rookie. We see the top 20 PFF receiving grade of 76.8. That is a good number for a rookie wide receiver. And that's all well and good for Drake London. But the problem is that the Falcons have two games this year, just two where they've thrown the ball more than 29 times. And the reason 29 is a relevant number is because the uh, league leader, basically the most run-heavy offense in the league last year, was the Philadelphia Eagles. And they threw the ball 29.1 times per game. Therefore, the Falcons are so run-heavy, 23.1 pass attempts per game, that they've only exceeded the lowest rushing uh, passing offense in the league last year twice this entire season. So with Drake London, you're counting on an offense that is just not going to give you the passing production, the passing output that you need for him to be a fantasy relevant wide receiver two, three type down the stretch. So for me, I'm probably not going to trust Drake London as anything more than a low end flex play rest of the season. 
I know it sucks because he looks great. He's getting the targets. He's getting the air yards and all that good stuff. But it's really difficult for me to trust him as anything more than a low-end flex play, given the offensive situation. Maybe if we see a QB change, Desmond Ritter comes in and they're able to open up the offense a little bit more. But as long as Marcus Mariota is starting for the Falcons, I'm probably not going to trust Drake London as much more than a wide receiver three. So Amari Cooper is the next guy that you guys expressed some concern with. He had a down week this past week. The Texans secondary, for those of you guys that are unaware, is actually pretty good. Derek Singley Jr. and and company. They're actually a, a relevant secondary and a top 15 kind of pass defense right now. So I'm not overly concerned that Amari Cooper didn't have a great game because this actually was a relatively tough matchup. They were probably also very amped for this game, knowing that Deshaun Watson was the QB on the other side of the ball. It was his first game back. I'm not really taking too much away from Deshaun Watson's performance. Special teams and defensive touchdowns is how the Browns actually won this game. It was kind of just weird all around. But the important thing to take away from Amari Cooper's first game with Deshaun Watson was that he had nine targets. It was a 43% target share, and he's still the number one wide receiver of this team. Deshaun Watson is absolutely a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett, even as well as Jacoby Brissett was playing this year. And the schedule is not at all uh, difficult rest of season either. I think that Amari Cooper is a fine low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, given what we've seen from him throughout the duration of this season with Deshaun Watson getting more comfortable each and every game throughout this offense. David Njoku probably back in the next game. I think the Browns are going to be much better than what they showed against the Houston Texans on Sunday. So don't worry about Amari Cooper. He is a guy that you can absolutely trust heading into the fantasy playoffs. And closing out this video, we are going to go with one more guy that you can trust that a lot of you guys express concern with. Christian Watson, wide receiver from the Green Bay Packers, the touchdown machine, basically. He is proving to be awesome for fantasy the past couple games. In the last four games, he has eight touchdowns, two of which on the ground, six through the air, 42%, 16%, 24%, and 21% are his target shares over the last four games. He has his week 14 bye week this week, but the Rams, Dolphins, and Vikings are his playoff schedule. And all three of those teams are actually top 10 matchups for fantasy wide receivers, and we know that Aaron Rodgers is a very efficient passer. So I do not think that Christian Watson is slowing down one bit Anytime soon, I'm expecting this guy to potentially be, you know, kind of this year's Amon Ross St. Brown down the stretch. He's going to get another uh, bye week to sh show that post-bye rookie bump that we always like to see out of rookie wide receivers. Will he continue to score, you know, two touchdowns a game? You know, probably not. I would imagine that probably regresses a little bit, but he's running the routes. He's getting the targets, especially downfield in the red zone to the end zone. The, the valuable targets that we want out of our fantasy wide receivers are being funneled to Christian Watson. He almost gets no, you know, irrelevant targets. Like if you think of a guy like Deontay Johnson, for example, who gets plenty of targets, but none of them are valuable. None of them are to the end zone. None of them are downfield. They're just kind of like six yard out routes. Those are almost like none of Christian Watson's targets. All of his targets come downfield in the red zone, to the end zone. Very, very valuable target. So I do not think with an efficient quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that Christian Watson is going to slow down anytime soon. He is going to be a guy that you're going to want in your lineups as a top 30, top 24 wide receiver for the rest of the season. So like I said, if you guys enjoyed this video at any point, leave a like down below, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Who is somebody that uh, down below in the comments that you think you should be trusting, you should be busting? Let me know in the comments. I'll answer as many as I possibly can. But with that being said, peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Why you need the money?